Welcome to Between the Before and After, a podcast about the stories that shape us. I'm your host, Coach John McLernan, and each episode I bring you an inspiring guest with a moving story that shines a light on the power of the human spirit. Before we dive in, I want to let you know about two very important things. Number one, the stories shared here are often gritty, raw, and vulnerable, and very likely will include speaking about sensitive topics suited for a mature audience. Number two, this podcast is also broadcast live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So on whatever platform you follow myself or Freedom Nutrition Coaching, you have the opportunity to participate in this discussion during the live stream. And we encourage your participation both by commenting and asking questions. And so this podcast is about exploring the stories that take place between the before and after photos, not just in the realm of weight loss, but in all areas of life. So let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode of Between the Before and After. You know, because this is a live broadcast, sometimes I actually get sucked into watching my own intro video and forget to like put us back in the studio. <laughs> That's happened to me a few times, but uh, I remembered this time. So it's not just a blank screen as the show starts. I saw you, you know, that video comes up and I'm like, oh, John's wearing a different shirt. And then I had to go, oh, no, no, this would have been pre-recorded, silly. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Just so this is my intro shirt and then this is my video. Yeah, video. it's like one of those people who cha- uh, change in a phone booth or that there's there's whole shows around. That. I think they're called quick change. Yeah. It's like where Incredible they. Talent. Yeah. Where they, they like hold up, a throw up a blanket or a sheet or something like that. And as the sheet drops, they're like in a whole other outfit and things like that. That's that's incredible. Magic. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you actually do help people in a slightly different way. Maybe not as rapid change. I think the changing that happens is probably a little more, you know, you have time, you're not rushed through it and whatnot. So I'm actually going to let you introduce yourself because I think we do better. Well, you know yourself better than I do as of yet, but we're going to explore your story today. But why don't we let people know like who you are, where you're at today and what you're up to. And then we're going to start digging into how you got here. Yeah, sure. Sounds great. I am Sheena Johnson. I am part owner of the Bra Lounge. You're coming at you're coming at you right now from our a corner of our fitting rooms because I didn't have quite enough time to rip home and get. We wouldn't have wanted me at home. There's children there. This is a much quieter spot to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we recently celebrated 15 years in business, which is still a weird um, reality that we're getting used to. The years fly by faster, I think. Every t- everyone that mm, goes by. Mm. Um, yeah, gosh, I think we'll start. Yeah, I mean, we started 15 years ago here, but that story goes back a little earlier than that. So that we'll we'll go there. Yeah, yeah. Well, so and you started this business with your sister. Yeah. And uh, your sister is uh, slightly younger than you, I gather. Yeah, uh, 18 months, 20, 20 months ish. Okay. Yeah. That's 14 um, that's months. 25 months, 25 months. Does months matter? Just over two years. <laughs> yeah. We'll just say two years. That That's good <laughs> enough. So, um, and, and have you and your sister, uh, you have two sisters, is that right? I have a sister and a brother. A sister and a brother. Okay. Two siblings brother. then. Sorry. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and your brother wasn't interested in being a part of the business? You know, what's funny? He has been. Oh, that's right. At a times. That's right. When we had our men's online store, Twig and Berries, he that was a is right. for a couple of years, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. He lived in Saskatchewan at the time. So he would fly or drive over and spend, you know, do a market with us or whatever. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was really cool having him involved. And uh, that time went on. He ended up moving on, which was wonderful for him. But it was a lot of fun. I knew at the time that we would cherish those that time together for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and you, you as siblings are all, I imagine, quite close. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, which is which is really special. I know uh, part of the reason and what we're going to share with today is kind of your story. Um, going back to you, so you grew up in Alberta. You're, are you Alberta born and raised? Yes, I am. And uh, where where in Alberta did you grow up? 
I grew up, well, um, was born in Didsbury. Okay. Uh, lived in Crossfield. Yeah, not far yeah. from here, for sure. Um, lived in Crossfield for a few years till I was about, I think I started kindergarten in Crossfield. And then we moved to Sundry. We were in Sundry from grade one to grade eight. I was mm. there uh, 10, 12, I don't even know how many years that is, eight, eight, 10 years. And uh, I'm terrible with numbers today. Put me on the spot. And that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, 32, um, 13. Yeah. Don't ask me. Don't ask me math. No math today. Uh, and then so then at 14, that was our big the, the first big thing happened when I was 14. And that was moving from Sundry up north of Grand Prairie to Fairview, which was a, okay. at the time uh, that's 26 years now or so. Um, at the time, there was only one highway north. Now it's divided most of the way. So it's a much easier ride. But I remember feeling like we were moving to Timbuktu. It was the end of the earth as far as I yeah. was concerned it was forever from my family or friends um it was a long way away yeah no kidding and and you were uh, 14 at the time so it's like you're you're leaving behind everything that you know and and sort of being uprooted and being dumped into a uh, a remote community where you know and remote communities can be kind of uh, a mixed bag of experience I mean I grew up in a small town and it's yeah. like and I, I well I did, I say I grew up in a small town. I was plunked in there when I was nine years old. And again, it was like, I, I always felt a little bit like an outsider because I wasn't born there, didn't grow up there, didn't have the same connections that people had. And I wonder if that yeah. was kind of your experience getting getting plunked into this place. It absolutely was. It, you felt, um, I remember feeling, I was a really insecure kid for sure. So I remember thinking like this was going to be the worst thing possible. I had finally grade six and seven and eight. I had some really great core group of friends. Um, we were just starting to get some um, independence, right? Uh, right yeah. And I grew up in the country. So going to town and, and spending time in town was a big deal when we were kids. And so moving to a new town was really overwhelming. But I also really remember... I think that's probably the first experience in my life that sort of forced me to find the bright, like find the silver lining. What what good is going to come out of this? You know, what what can I do to make this easier for myself? And um, I remember starting to realize that I could sort of be whoever I wanted to be. And mm. and. You know, just depending all of a sudden, um, you know, I was the kid who talked too much. I was the kid who asked inappropriate questions sometimes. I was absolutely that child. And that sort of haunted me. Like I lived with a lot of shame with being like I couldn't trust what came out of my mouth for a really <laughs> long time. And and that was real. Like I remember being like, you don't have any business having an opinion here because, you know, you're going to say something stupid or embarrass someone or hurt someone. And I remember being really, really conscious of my thoughts and my words. So I remember moving up there and, and realizing that um, they didn't know any of that about me. Right. Yeah, this is pre-internet, too. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I I think the same thing, right? You know, I try to keep like I'm trying to keep my kid off the internet. Like, in, you know, he doesn't know how to use it anyways. But I mean, like in terms of photos and things like that, like I don't I don't want him to be aware that it exists, other than making you know video calls to family overseas. But yeah, um, yeah. So you you, you realize that I can kind of reinvent myself a little bit and be who I want to be. Who was it that you decided you wanted to be in that in that well, moment? And I think that that's what was funny. I don't think I really became anyone different, except except that in my own heart, I I knew that all of those pre-existing beliefs about me mm. weren't there. So I right. think I had more confidence. Like I would say that yeah. it didn't, I was a little more cautious. I was a little more, um, I also, that experience helped me to learn how to be my own best friend. And I say that all the time now as like a, it's such an important to learn who you are and to learn what you like. 
um, growing up in Sundry, you were with this group of people that you'd been with your whole life. And, and mm -hmm. you sort of, right, you sort of mold into what the group is. And I started realizing that I didn't, that's not, I could be, and not to say anything was wrong with that, but it was a great right. group. But it was just, I could sort of decide who I wanted to be. And it did give me confidence. It gave me, um, it also let me stay, uh, what's the word? Like, it let me stand back. I didn't, I didn't care about being accepted as much because in my opinion, first of all, I wasn't going to stay there forever because my heart right, okay. was hungry. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't care about building relationships. I mean, I, I wanted to make some friends, but I just didn't care as much. I, I spent more time on the farm alone. I spent way more time with my horses, um, with my brother and sister. It was like that pressure of being a social creature was not as important anymore. Whereas in Sundry, I would have ditched everything for any, for, to go with my friends, you know, anytime. So it was just, it's not that I reinvented myself. I just started almost learning what I wanted, what right. I thought, what I, and I didn't really listen too much. I didn't have a lot of friends yet. So I didn't have those, those um, influences, right. And the different yeah. pressures. Did you, did you stay in touch with any of your friends back in Sundry at that time? Yeah, I was st still very close with them. I was on the phone. And I think that that was why I could spend my hours on the phone with someone and mm, not care yeah. what was going on in, in Fairview. If I missed the latest party, it didn't bother me. I wasn't my I was 15. I wasn't allowed to go out. And my mom, my mom always had these rules of like, you never get in a vehicle with somebody. I need to know where you are. Right. And and um, those started being a little more important to me, whereas in Sundry, where we knew everybody, that wouldn't have bothered me. I probably like I would have been more carefree, right? But right, I had yes, to yes. be a little more guarded. I had to be a little more aware of my surroundings because it was new. And yeah. I didn't, you didn't know everybody. So you didn't just take what they said at for face value. I became friends with people for sure, but it took me a while to really establish close relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm now I'm picturing, did you have like one of those phones with like the really long cords as well? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Where <laughs> yeah. you can, you know, take the phone and like go far away and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> what what a what kids these days miss out on by by being born with the internet. <laughs> that that three minutes of a commercial yeah. break where you gotta go upstairs and get a snack and refill your drink and get like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So many things. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but then this is where your story takes a bit of a turn, or not just a bit of a turn. That's, that's downplaying. It takes a very, very significant turn. So, you're 15 years old in an, in a new community. How long had you 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 been there at this time? So we moved in July of '96. Yeah. I started grade nine in September. Um, met a boy, and became had became his girlfriend, which, in my opinion, at the time was this was my opportunity he was a nice boy other boys mm -hmm. in, or other girls in my class were like yeah he's and I knew him I didn't know him at all I didn't know I knew his name um he was really nice to me at the first dance that we were at Aww. and he <laughs> and nobody had ever done this to me before he offered to get up off the chair and let me sit and I was like Ew, what no I no that's okay that's fine and that was our first interaction and I remember being like Boys don't do nice things like that. Since when? Huh. I grew up with a bunch of with a bunch of us where boys, girls, we were all the same. We didn't care. And the guys treated the girls the same because it was this really great group of just people. We were all really close. We grew up together. So having this initial interaction with this boy who seemed so considered, I was like, oh, what's this about? Anyways, <laughs> came 
his girlfriend, knowing nothing about him, and we are married, and we've been together 25 years, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, <laughs> so anyways. That, so that, that's how it started then? As, yeah, that's... As, yeah, I was like, well, this is an all right way of meeting, making friends. He seems nice. Let's try and this it. Was in, and this was in Fairview. This was in Fairview. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so here you are going going up to like what feels like the middle of absolute nowhere, um, thinking this is the end of my life and not realizing that you're going to meet someone who's going to become like your life partner. Totally. It's, it's I mean, there's so That's much beautiful. serendipitous yeah. components to this story, I think. And I think everybody has those moments. And at the time, you would have never dreamt, right? There was no way. Right. But here we are. So we start kind of boyfriend, girlfriend in October. And yeah, he's very nice. He was very nice. He continued to be a gentleman. And yeah. uh, anyway, so February came. February, just It was the end of December. Or sorry, end of January, just before my birthday. And it was minus 50. I remember that just experiencing that cold north winter was something <laughs> else. Yeah. And um, we, our barn caught fire and burned down. Oh. So that was trauma number one. Well, trauma number two, I guess, in that full year. So we lost. Um, I was supposed to go. I was a barrel racer, and I had. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to have been out that night uh, with my horse. So my horse was supposed to be in the barn that night. Turned out last minute. I was mad, and I didn't. I had enough. So much homework. I couldn't make it happen. So I turned her out, and I didn't bother. So um, thank God she wasn't in that fire. But we lost uh, our little herd of goats. We lost some cats. And anything that hadn't been unpacked from the move, you know, seven months earlier was in there in boxes. So I remember going through just my parents having to go through the, I just, that, thank God that's the only experience with fire I have, but that's the only one I ever want to have. Fires are, what a terrible loss. Like it's so much, it's so much loss. So um, that was an interesting, I was shocked losing, having that kind of, I remember walking through the night. Um, I got up through the night. It was about midnight to go to the, uh, to get a glass of water. And I remember sitting at, I was in the basement, my bedroom was in the basement. I remember sitting at our kitchen table and there was a light behind me. Um, this little outlet had a little orange light on it. And I remember sitting, I was, you know, groggly and I'm drinking my water and I'm sitting there looking out the window to the barn and I jumped and thought I saw fire, but it was this light behind me and I'm home. Oh, goodness. Thank goodness. Okay. Whatever. So I had my finished my water, went back down and went to bed and I had just fallen asleep. And I remember hearing boom, 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 people moving. My dad was yelling. My mom was yelling and I came running up the stairs and it was an hour later and the barn was completely engulfed. Oh. And uh, I remember my mom saying, the goats, like we got to go, but the goats are in there. And my dad was, there's nothing we can do. You are not going anywhere near that they're gone. There's no, so I remember that just being like such a traumatizing and scary situation. Yeah, You feel like really powerless in that situation. Oh, horrific. Horrific. I, that, yeah, I remember going to school the next day. We ended up going to school the next day because mom and dad just had too many things to manage and, and being like my, our barn burned down last night and people were like, Oh, that's terrible. And not really thinking about it. But for me, it was like, I, we lost so much. We lost our pets. We lost, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. So, Interestingly enough, though, I think those little traumas. They, they were there. Yeah, they were, they were laying some of the groundwork or helping you to go through some difficult experiences yeah. and, and losses to kind of emotionally prepare you for, for what exactly was to come. It. So then um, and you're at this time, your boyfriend is his name, Mike. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, so what was he, he like through this? Um, you know, I remember him being just shocked and stunned and so sorry. And he would come out. Um, he would ride his bike 
we mm. lived 20 minutes out of town. So he'd ride his bike. He was rode his bike everywhere and he'd ride his bike way out there before he got his license. And yeah, I remember going out with um, my dad, having the goats in the back of the truck and having to go and take them to um, a dump or I don't remember what we did with them. And I remember this disconnect of like, these were our pets and I loved these creatures so much. And now this is all that's left of them. I was just a really surreal experience. And I remember Mike always being very, um, He's a man of few words, but he was always so supportive. He was always just, you know, he loved, oh, he, he lived in town and he was an only child. So I swear he only dated me because I had a farm and quads and, you know, cool stuff out in the country that we could <laughs> yeah. do. Uh, but he was always, he was there. He was there every weekend. He was there all the time with us. It was funny. My mom yeah. would, my mom really liked Mike and he, she would, um, he was six months older than me. So she yeah. would. She'd say, you know, bring him out. I want, you know, she always wanted him to be a part of our lives. Bring him out, bring him out for supper. And so my dad is Mike. So we yeah. would say my Mike and your Mike or my dad and my Mike and all these <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah. And uh, um, anyways, yeah, I remember her. She'd say, come on, Mike, have a beer. Do you want to have a beer with me? Let's have a beer. And I was never allowed to have a beer, but Mike right, was right, allowed right. to have one beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was neat because I, rem I remember... Um, the December before the accident or uh, days before the accident, the end of yeah. November, um, it was winter. It was, it was uh, lots of snow on the ground already. My grandma and grandpa, her mom and dad were visiting us for the week. And uh, my Mike had, he was 16 now and now had his first little uh, Ford truck. Yeah, and that yeah. truck was his everything. And um, she were sitting, we had to do dishes after dinner. So we're yeah. standing at the kitchen or at the sink doing dishes and out in the field, you can see through the window, his truck goes peeling out of our, out of our driveway. And he's like, who's in my truck? He's freaking out. And it's my mom and she's a farm girl. She knows how yeah, to yeah. drive stick shift. She knows. <laughs> and I think, it, I think my grandma was with her. They jumped in his truck and they were doing donuts out in the middle. <laughs> of the field, just stress them out like so good. And he's like, does she know what she's doing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. She yeah. <laughs> That, that's funny so good. oh man so funny. What, yeah. what what a good joke to play too like that's oh, you know. did you was, did you know they were going to do this no i didn't know i'm not i wasn't surprised at all i'm like oh that's definitely my mother out there no, right no. right right <laughs> my mom was a like jokester my mom yeah. was pranks and teasing and all the time so she wanted to give him a little heart attack Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. She she probably, I wonder if she saw something when like with you two in, in a relationship that, you know, like, I don't know if she, like sometimes, sometimes moms know or whatever, they, they have yeah. this premonition that like, you know, Hey, you're with a really, a really good guy. You know, did she ever give any, any indication in that direction? You know, um, at the time, so being 15, I think she, I think she really liked him for yeah. sure. But, um, we were, she was, we were too young for a serious relationship. Like she didn't mind. Mm -hmm. She knew this was going to be a thing. Boys were going to come into our, my life. Sure. But yeah. He, and she made sure that she stuck her nose in all of our business, but no, I would have, I would have thought, I would have, I think that she would have been like, you need to, you really need to be a, like an independent woman. You need to, you know, do the things that feed your soul and don't do just what you want to do as a couple. And that's mm. been something that sort of guided me since her death. Right. And, in just that, what would mom hope for, for me and uh, knowing how much she loved him is a nice, it, it it's heartwarming to know that that was good for her. Um, but yeah. it's also important and it ch changes how I raise our girls now in that. Mm. Yeah. It's, special to have a companion um but don't let it 
sway you from what you who you are and what you love and so that's something I talk to my kids about too I, I'm for us I think I think the circumstance Mike and I are in is very different than the great majority and a few traumas in those first years of life really just stuck us you know it just yeah. um it solidified what that needed to be for us but I don't think that should be everybody's norm at all right yeah and so you you mentioned the accident and this is kind of like obviously the, the one of the most devastating things you had to go through um in in December of uh, was it 1997 97 um, December 1st yeah 97 yeah and and there was an accident your your mom was killed yeah. and uh you know do you remember much about that day prior leading yeah. up to it or anything every minute yeah i remember every minute um we were it was my sister was having i think it was a volleyball game it was a kind of a volleyball wind up like parents um parents against the kids it was kind okay. of supposed to be what was going on and um so the plan was she didn't work that day she worked part-time in town so she didn't work that day so she was going to meet us in town after school and we were going to go for pizza and then we were going to go to the gym and then do this volleyball wind up and of course I didn't have to be a part of this but because being in town meant seeing Mike right yeah and for sure I'm going to be in town and he was going to come for pizza with us so yeah. I remember I remember um, our school went from nine in the morning till three twenty-five or three thirty, mm. and I remember looking at the clock when we were in social class, and I remember looking at the clock at three fourteen, three fifteen, and thinking, "Okay, ten more minutes." Like I was so ready to be over this day and go for pizza. Right. Yeah. And it, that would have been the exact uh, right close to the exact time that she was hit. Yeah. And uh, I think about that often of, of just even that moment of what's the what's the meaning behind that, that I would have literally looked at the clock in that same moment. Right. So we the the rule was in our little town, there were three schools. Um, there was our school, which was a K to 12. And mm -hmm. then there was a public. We were in Catholic school. Um, then there was a public elementary and a public high school. So our buses right, would yeah. go to each school before they left town. So um, the rule always was. If I'm not, because my mom was always in a rush, always running late, always like the same human being I am now. Mm. And uh, she, that was the rule. If I don't, if I'm not at your school, then watch for me at each of the other schools. If you see the car, jump off the bus and come with me. So she's not at our bus. And I remember Courtney and Cody, I remember someone saying, well, why don't you just stay, like, don't get on the bus. You know, she's coming. And no, no, I got to obey the rules. Like, let's get on the bus mm. and see if she's at another school. So I, we went to the other school and no, don't see her. And then we went to the third school and I was like, Hey, now I'm annoyed. You're going to be late. We don't even have to leave. Like we shouldn't even be leaving town. And I felt a little bit anxious of like, Oh crap. Mm. It, you know, it was, a, it was a pain living in the country is a lot of driving back and forth. And I'm like, oh, right. yeah, we'll be in the, on the bus. We better be on the bus. That's the rule. Let's stay on the bus. It is what it is. Let's, but as we were crossing main street from school number two, going to school number three, um, ambulances and fire trucks and all like we had to wait for this mm. convoy of vehicles to go flying out of town and it was a super small town so right away you think oh no that sounds terrible I hope it's I hope it's okay you know you kind of have a moment and then off we went to the third school she wasn't there got all the way home and I'm calling Mike because obviously hey we're at home now she's not home um She's supposed to be home. I don't know when we're going to get to town. I'm, uh, you know, a little irritated, 10, 15, 16, 15 year old. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Irritated with, with change of plans. And um, I remember he was working on his truck. He was putting a uh, stereo in his truck. And 
I remember turning around, I had the phone in my hand and I said, okay, so I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know when we come to town. And as I turned around to say goodbye and hang the phone up, there was a police officer in our, in our driveway. And uh, mm. so Courtney and Cody and I are home alone. Dad's not around. Mom's not around. And I said, oh my God, there's a cop in a driveway. And he goes, oh, well, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, yeah. Call me back. Call me right back. And uh, so sure enough, this police officer comes in and he says, I'm looking for your dad. And I, I said, oh, he's not here. And it's funny how um, you, you, your brain, there's a reasonable explanation for all of this, right? Always sure. a reasonable explanation. No, there's something happened to a neighbor. They just want to talk to my mom. Hmm. And so, of course, we had a cell phone and it was the big box, you know, the big, big brick yeah. thing. And, but I said, my mom has a cell phone. Do you want to call her? And he said, no, no, I need to, I need to get hold of your dad or I'm looking for your dad. And uh, it turned out my dad had the cell phone. So I don't know. I don't even remember how, who he called. I don't know how I gave him a number to get a hold of my dad somehow. Um, ended up on the phone with my dad. And then he said, you know, I'll never forget. Hi, Mike. It's Constable Friesen from the Fairview RCMP. I'm um, just letting you know your wife's been involved in a very serious car accident. Um, I'm here with your kids. They're home alone. And I need to know who to call. Oof. And we just, oh, my, I know, I remember Courtney Cody losing it. Oh, I remember one, someone started yelling really loud and I'm like, he's on the phone, be quiet. Like, yeah. So I sent them to their rooms and I remember walking back down the hallway and I, I was close. I had my arms crossed like this and I was yeah. shaking. I remember my body was just shaking. And I remember looking at myself and going, oh my God, that's something my mom does all the time. She would cross her arms like that. And I remember that was one of the first times that I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm just like my mom. This is something that my mom would do. So I was walking down the hall and uh, got back to him. He ended up getting phone numbers for net neighbors and people mm. we could call. And uh, I was, I was, huh. I was, I remember being so, I said something about, how could this be? How do you, how do you, how is this, what, how would happen? What it's, well, her car right. was hit by a train. Her car was hit by a train two kilometers from our house. Oh, and yeah. The strange thing is our bus never took that road. Our bus always went a back way. So thank God we hadn't been right. driven right by it. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, I was just stunned. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but people live through these things all the time. So it's fine. Like, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And uh, so then our neighbors, I remember our neighbors pulling up, getting word. Of course, now it's been half an hour. Small an town, hour, yeah. Hours, yeah. Everybody in town. Our neighbors were nurses. They had been working that day. But there's just one thing after another. So neighbors started coming up. But I remember the police officer going back out to his car and bringing her purse into the house. And I remember thinking, why do you mm. have that? Why would you have that? She should have that. Why would you need that? So how did it go? I think uh, the neighbors said, get in the truck. I think we went to their house for an hour or two while they decided what to do. Um, they were going, the plan was to airlift her from Fairview to Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And so my dad got to Fairview, or sorry, he lived or he worked way on the other side of town and, and was a gas operator. So he was all over the countryside. So he went straight to the hospital and met her, uh, met the doctors. And then our neighbors drove the three of us into the hospital as well. They thought that they would take us straight down to Edmonton, but we decided to all go to the hospital. So, um, that hospital was a pretty, oh, it was a real, it was a weird night. I remember I, I had been yeah. there a lot. My mom worked at the hospital. My mom worked yeah. as a nurse's aide in the nursing home. So it was, um, lots of people were just, I, I think looking back, you saw all these people with these horrific faces. Like they were all just like, 
And I'm like, don't like, we're going to Edmonton. We're, we're going to get all the help we need in Edmonton. This is fine. Yeah. We'll figure this out. Anyway, yeah. so they got her in the plane. I don't, I, I don't even remember that. My dad was going to fly with her. The neighbors were going to drive us to Edmonton and we got to the north or to the north side of Peace River, I think. So about an hour, hour down the road and got a phone call and uh, it was silent. I remember this little minivan being silent. And I think me and Cody were in the middle and my sister was behind us and uh, they got, they got the call. And so I hear them talking quietly to each other and then he mm. pulls a Yui on the highway and I went, oh, awesome. Like she doesn't, we don't even have to go to Edmonton now. This is great. And then they said, no, no. So she didn't drove make home. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah, didn't make it. Drove home. So that's, that's an hour that I remember just being like, what does this mean? Right. Just, just trying yeah. to imagine what that would look like for us now. How, how how do you process that especially like su- such a you know young mind really like trying to to fathom this because you know in life I, I think we don't like none of us go into life with this expectation like we, we have this idea of how it's supposed to look yeah. you know they're, they're there and they're there they've seen the graduation the wedding the you know the the special moments in life that's that sort of and and so all of that's kind of being stripped away and in your mind you're just churning trying to process trying you to can't even picture like yeah. you can't you can't even like what what does this mean like i i remember just being like this is Im- impossible this was hard two days ago before when 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 we were just living through that hard and right. now we have yeah. this whole new reality i i, re- I it numb i mean the only word you can yeah. use is numb right just completely stunned and then getting home my dad was the, the house was full of people my dad was a wreck and and then we yeah. could just sort of fall apart. Once we got home, we could kind of fall apart. Just start letting the emotions out, you know? Um, I guess maybe the one good thing about being in a small town is, is, you know, probably a lot of supportive people that want oh, to they do... came from everywhere for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And the week before, or the week, the month before Christmas, there was that, that week, there was like the festival of trees in town. So there was lots of Christmassy things that were starting to gear up. And I remember getting so many donations of, Christmas things like Christmas trees. We were, people bought us trees for the house and people, I mean, certainly for being, my mom was a very outgoing woman. She had already met mm. half the town. She'd already made great friends. Um, anyone that I was friends with, their parents were all there. Like, yeah, I mean, we stayed yeah, home she- for, I think we stayed home for the week and then her um, funeral was in Saskatchewan in her hometown so we were home for that week and it was just my, so my grandparents had just been there and, you know, they, they just right. did the, the zipping around the, uh, the field in the truck and <laughs> yeah. they had literally just gotten home and um, stayed a night and pretty much and then got this awful phone call. So they were back on a plane and came right back up. They were there right away. Lots, but the neatest thing was people from Sundry literally that night got in their truck met us came like three in the morning I was asleep in bed and Marcel oh our Marcel my dad's good buddy Marcel jumps comes flying through the door and Sheena Sheena and hugging us and oh it was just Aww. it was it was a weird um comfort like just to know that these regardless these people were going to come to us and we were 10 mm-hmm. hours away I don't know how they even drove he even stopped at he stopped at a Zeller's on the way to pick up teddy bears and stuff for us I I just, I, you know, there's so many people that just dropped everything to come to us. So for sure, it was, it was beautiful. But then we flew, yeah. then we flew to Sunder to Saskatchewan. Um, my wonderful man, uh, 
hopped rides. He he was told if he left school, um, he would be suspended. He wouldn't be allowed to come back. Or he'd be in trouble if he left school to go to the funeral. And he was that was fine with him. Yeah. He left anyways. He drove with my aunt and uncle, who he didn't know. My aunt was pregnant, and you know they wow. drove. God, 25 hours. I don't know how long. It was <laughs> so long. They drove to get there. And, um, oh, excuse me. That's good. And, and he dropped everything to be there too, you know. And then we were in, in in Saskatchewan for, I don't even know, a week or so. He wouldn't have stayed that long. He got, I can't remember who he ended up driving home with or flying home with. Um, but then we we were not in a rush to get home. We were, we were. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this. I don't even know who looked after our animals. Like he must, dad must have had neighbors stopping in. Like it was just <laughs> right. this weird blimp of time where time just stood still, right? You just had, I had no idea all the thing, all the many components working around us to, to make something happen. Anyways, yeah. we drove, dro- someone had drove our van. We flew, but someone had drove our van all the way to um, Saskatchewan. So we had it there with us and then we took a long way home and we went through sundry and we saw some old friends and we took a long way home, but it was, so it was about two weeks or three weeks. I can't even remember how long before we got home. So now we're just before Christmas mm. and that was tough. That right. Because in, in the beginning, there's the initial outpouring of support as everybody is shocked and realizing you know, you're going through this devastating thing. And it's just it's beautiful how, you know, a community of people come together to provide yeah. support. But, you know, that level of support can't be sustained forever in, in that sort of capacity. So well, then you go, then you go on, right? Life goes on. Yeah. For people. Yeah. And so you get back home and that, that's when it, it sinks in, you know, maybe maybe more for real because now you're back at home where, where she would have been. And there's so many memories. And you know, every time you walk into a room and you think well, about this. Well, now we have to start living like now yeah. we have to figure out how who cooks right who buys groceries who i i started being overwhelmed with how much she did i didn't realize that she had been woven into every conversation every plan every like everything she was the heartbeat of it she was the yeah. one calling the shots she was the one pulling the strings she was the one making the arrangements so i feel like that was just and you, you go through those days of like, I, I didn't support her enough, right? With how much she had to manage yeah, it. Right. Yeah. How were think... we not better to her? <laughs> it really felt like she got the short end of the stick. Yeah. And yet, and yet when she was alive, she probably never would have made you feel that way. No, no, no. no she was just a 39, 39 year old woman living, yeah, yeah. living, raising three kids, working, you know, running a farm, um, busy, just living her yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and through all of this, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's amazing. You had, you had Mike there with you. I mean, you must've had some pretty, pretty tough days and uh, you know um, just thinking about how, you know, how, how did he support you in that? Cause I mean, of course he's what, 16, 17, 16 yeah. years old, right? Yeah. I mean, thrust into this, you know, I mean, uh, you get, how long have you guys been together at this time? Um, well, the day she died, we'd been together a year and a month. Okay. Yeah. So you, you had a you had a pretty good relationship going with that. Like, I mean, I, for teenagers, that's like actually a pretty already long, <laughs> a pretty yeah. long relationship, you know. But still, th- then this this dynamic is sort of thrust into the relationship, and that could have really you know torn things apart because you know I imagine part of you wants to withdraw and run away and hide and not feel things and and so on. And you know how did how did you navigate that? Yeah, that was hard because my dad um, when he went back to work, he he was able to take a lot of time off. But when he he was very much like, I need to work, I need to get this family going. Um, mm. So that's sort of and that was his grief. That was his reaction. He needed to work to keep busy. Yeah. Um, so Mike and I were we did a lot together. I mean, he he 
we took the kids, my brother and sister, you know, one had hockey and one had baseball and we would take them there and we would, the, the, the four of us became the thing. My dad was, um, he worked, a, he worked away, not away. He worked um, oil fields. So he wasn't yeah, yeah. home every night, but he worked long hours. So he was gone first right. thing in the morning till later at night. And, um, and then it wasn't long after it was about, no, I don't even think it was a year after her death. He started his own company and we moved again to um, Grand Prairie. Okay. So I only ended up living in Fairview, I think three years, I guess, grade nine. Yeah, grade nine, 10 and 11. And then going into grade 12, we moved, um, we moved to Grand Prairie. So Mike, I mean, yeah, what did he do? Gosh, he, he stood silently right beside me all the time. He was, he was at every, my grandma would say she, I've never met a more patient boy in my life where he would <laughs> he'd just sit and he'd wait and he'd wait for me to be done, you know, dishes or, or supper or homework or and he was always, he was just always there. Just being there was all I needed. Just that one, mm. that one solid person that I could, you know, cry to or whatever. And even to Courtney and Cody, he was, he became their brother overnight. Say, yeah. Like, yeah, just, just a big brother watching over them. So I imagine again, probably a fairly close relationship to this day. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. He, I mean, and especially for him, he was never had, he didn't have siblings. He's an only child. Right. So our family right. very quickly became his family for sure. Yeah. I mean, but having said that, there was also a lot of hard times. Like there were times where it was Friday night and he just wanted to go to the damn dad party tonight. And I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not, <laughs> right. I'm not. There was a lot of that too. I, I had to grow up and, and he didn't have to grow up in that way. He didn't have to become yeah. a dad to these kids. So um, it, yeah. it was hard. It was, and I always felt like my dad was very afraid. My dad was very like, you're not, you're not driving to town. You're not going anywhere. You need to be home. But then he yeah. would sleep. My dad is a, if he, if when things are hard, he sleeps. So right. um, we were often home and if he was home, he was sleeping and it would be like, well, I could have gone, I could have gone to be with my friends. So it was always a, I always felt stuck between just wanting to be 16, just wanting to be 17 and knowing that that's just not, those aren't the priorities anymore. It's just not the life you can live. And even when we went out, when I did go out, um, I wasn't much of a drinker. Um, it was far more important to me to make sure we got home safe. Um, you know, it really took a lot of the fun out of life, of course. You know, nothing's yeah. fun. Everything, everything had really dire consequences, right? All of a sudden, do you understand that? The cost, potential risk of this. and, and yeah. yeah, yeah, it really, I could, I could see how that would happen, you know? Yeah. And uh yeah, that's that's quite quite something to go through. So, uh, you know, you graduate high school, and uh, wh where did you go from there? So we graduated. Yeah, I graduated in Sexsmith. Mike, um, Mike was in. Once we moved to Sexsmith, he was just in Sexsmith all the time. Anyways, he he would go to go to Fairview for his the week at school, and then he'd be back with me in Grand Prairie and Sexsmith. Hmm. And uh, I think we moved out. My dad started his oil field company, so Mike ended up working for him for the and ended up working for him for about ten years. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and that kept that helped. That was like my dad, like you need to be here then because she's not going to keep going to Fairview. She needs to be here, so I guess you can come here too. So, yeah. uh, but we ended up living at my dad's for a while, and um, I think we got a we got a. We got a, We rented a room in town, uh, a guy that I knew, and we rented his place. And I think that only lasted a month. That was our first rental experience. <laughs> that only lasted a month. We were like, we can't afford this. This is crazy. Went back home for a little while. Um, and then we got our own place. Uh, what would that be? 2001? 2000? Yeah. 2001. 
and uh, got our own apartment. And uh, he ended up, he ended up, this was in Grand Prairie. He ended up getting an apartment with a friend and I ended up moving back to my dad's to go to college. I did some college courses mm-hmm. and um, then we moved out. To, we, then we were back in the same place again and we ended up living yeah, in a house with the two of us and then two, two roommates, two of our good friends. And um, those years were tough. Um, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. I think learning how, leaving my parent, leaving my brother and sister was really hard. That was, I leaving yeah. them, my dad had been, he was in a new relationship and that was okay. Um, but it was so different. Like, it was just like, there was just so many things that was just so, he was living this totally different life now, right? With totally different friends in a totally new town. And he was oil field. So he was staying really busy and he was um, pulled into different meetings. My dad was busy. He he lived yeah. a very different life. And then we were kind of um, sort of floundering, just kind of figuring out where we all fit in, right? And then that... I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I hate those years. I really hate those years. And I know that they were a big part of the, the journey and it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know which was harder the years right after she died or the years after I moved out. Both of those were. Yeah. How, how did you, how did your siblings cope with this? You know, cause you, you were the oldest. So you kind of get basically like plunked into the, to the mothering role where now you're taking care of them. Your sister is two years younger and, and how, how much younger is your brother? He was six, he's six years younger than me, four years younger than Courtney. So, um, Cody was always very, uh, I think Cody has had to process his trauma as an adult. He's, he's had to deal with a lot more of that. He was, um, I remember he was nine. He, so mom died and Cody turned nine to three weeks later, right after her funeral. Right. And, um, that's a tough time. He, he. I remember him like just not really grieving, not really yeah. not crying, not. And I remember being so afraid that he's never, he's never going to remember her. He's like, he's going to move on so easily and easily. And yeah, um, yeah. because he didn't have to deal with the weight afterwards, I guess, but his, his heart came later. His heart came later. Having a family made it harder for him. He's had to go right. through and, and, and they're in a great place. His wife's amazing. So they do, they, he's got, he's gone through a lot of um, coping now. He's had to learn yeah. a lot of that processing now. Um, Courtney too. Courtney and I, we, I think we, Courtney and I grieved more together because we were closer in age. I was always, even before mom died, I, I did the chores. I, I was out in, with the animals and Courtney made dinner and, and helped with dishes and stuff. So we were already kind of a good team that way. She had a better idea of, of cooking. She had a better idea of, of, she helped mom cook way more than I had. So she handled that. I remember grocery shopping though, like just being like, I don't even know where do you start? How do you, where, what do we need? Like, oh yeah. And, and just crying, like, what would mom, what, what would we, and, and heavy, like, um, I remember every decision feeling so important. Like I can't screw this up. I can't screw this up. I can't waste dad's money. I can't, we, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money. So he was always right. like, you, you know, stick to the budget. Well, I don't even know what a fucking budget is. Like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what that means. Like it was always, it was, that was really hard. Even putting fuel in the truck. Like I, I drove to town a lot because um, whether there was after school or we were late, like we, we didn't cope. It was awful. We like, you know, I didn't sleep. Yeah. How do you get up and get on the bus? So yeah, it, all of that was just, ugh, it was, it was hard. I remember often dro- dropping them off at school and, and then not going myself. 
going yeah. and driving around and crying for hours. Yeah, I, I would come back at lunch and maybe go to school for the afternoon. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I don't know how we graduated. I don't know how I don't know how I, I don't yeah. remember any of that part of it. I didn't do any homework. I don't remember when I did homework. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, some parts of our brain just allow it's it's incredible what we can actually do on autopilot without realizing yeah. it at times, you know, and yeah. so and so if we, if we fast forward a little bit, you know, because there there was these, these difficult years, you know, and maybe ten years kind of goes by, and uh, you and your sister start having these conversations about having a business together. You know what? We were eight and six, and we okay. were going to have a business together. Okay. So- <laughs> So this didn't start that in your twenties. It started. It yeah. didn't. It didn't. And I don't know why. I don't know what we were going to do. I remember doing an um, an assignment in grade six with my best friend, and it was you had to run a store, and you had to. We were going to pick a clothing store, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah. Best clothing in our store, <laughs> and we were, you know. And I remember being like, "Oh yeah, Courtney's right. We could totally." Courtney is my sister. Is the tenacious one. She's the yeah. one. She knows what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and what the outcome is going to be. And I am far more cautious. I am far more overthinker, like doomsday. I am. She's the sunshine and rainbows, thank God. And I was not. And to yeah. this day, I'm not. I still really struggle with, okay, but what about this and what about that? And that's something I have to work through every day for sure. Um, I think that so makes she, a nice, a nice balance, though. It was a good balance. It, 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 it turned out to be a great balance for sure. She's, she's pulled me along and I've pulled her along when needed to. And uh, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, so she worked, um, I was here in Red Deer, did a little bouncing around, but I moved to Red Deer cause I found a work here. I hated being up North. Um, mm-hmm. I did have friends, good friends, and I still have lots of good friends from up there, but I didn't like any of the things that stood for, for our family. I, I, right coming back down here felt like I was coming home and it was just more positive for me. It was, it was healthier interactions. It just felt better. And um, that was hard to leave Mike. Cause I didn't know he was going to follow me. I was like, I'm out. Right. So, yeah, I can't, it's toxic. It was toxic. And being in the oil field was toxic. Right. Yeah. All of our friends were, and we had good friends. They were good people, but it was still too much drinking and it was too still all of that yuck that I just was like, I just don't want to be a, something's got to be better. There's got to, there's a whole wide world out there. Something's got to be better. And I can't fly too far because my family's close. I can't yeah. go too far. So, um, moved to fair, or, well, Red Deer started working in accounting firm and Courtney had been here. She went to school at Olds college and took floral okay. decor. So okay. we were here together for a little while there. And I loved that. I'm like, it's so cool that we're now in Red Deer together. And Mike was now here. Yeah. And, um, she ended up going back to Grand Prairie because she just couldn't, it's hard single girl in town and trying to pay rent and all those things. She ended up getting a great opportunity. Um, She had worked at La Senza in Grand Prairie mall for a year or a couple of years and ended up sort of having managerial duties there. And I remember her thinking, so bra shopping after my mom died was like awful. So my Courtney barely remembers bra shopping with mom. I remember my first few times we would go together, but um so, so I remember dad, we were like, well, we need, we need to go shopping and what do you need? And while well, we kind of need underwear and, oh, and he'd just throw money and I don't know, what does that cost? I don't even know. Yeah. What it costs. <laughs> right. even know. He'd throw some money at us and okay, do what you need to do. And we'd go in and we'd be like, like, if this would be so much easier with our mom, how do we like, how, how do people do this? And yeah. uh, it turned out when she started working in Licenza that no, nobody knows how to bra shop. Nobody knows. She's like, I'm 19 years old. 
And people are coming to me at this mall store for advice. And I don't know anything about how, like, I can sell you these products, but I don't yeah. know what you, how do women not know what they need in a bra? Like, I remember her being like, this is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. This mad. Like, this is stupid. So anyways, floral decor. She ended yeah, up back yeah. in Grand Prairie at a, um, at a boutique. And yeah. she went there because they had a small floral department and she went in to do that. And it was kind of a home decor, lots of home decor things. And then at the back in one room on the, on the one far wall was floor to ceiling bras. And I think they sold Prima Donna. I think that was the brand they sold. So pricey. It's it's a mm -hmm. more higher end. High, yeah. Yeah. And she was like, holy cow, people are coming from so Grand Prairie, you're like surrounding area. It's everything right, yeah. north of Edmonton to north of Peace River. It's huge. And uh, she was like, this is crazy. People come from miles around and they will like, they're spending $200 on some of these bras. I, and, and so then she got fit advice and she got learned more about how that went. And she's like, this is it where this is where we need to be. So she had an opportunity to purchase that business. And, um, um, Courtney's budget, budget, budget. Nope, not doing it. I don't want all this inventory. I don't want all this crap. But she right. said to me, we could do this. We could totally do this. And I'm like, well, let's try, but I'm not quitting my job quite yet. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had, she did all the work and I, I give her so much credit. I was such a naysayer. That was a really, not a naysayer to her. I never said, you'll never do this, but right. I was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know. This is all way too overwhelming for me. I, I have such an ADD brain. I struggle once I'm a little too overwhelmed. It's like, pff, I can't put, I can't connect any dots. I'm, uh, this is all very hard for me. Um, yeah. so I'm suddenly panicking. My computer was supposed to be charging and it's not. Oh, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, anyways, uh, so she came down, she made appointments with realtors. She looked at spaces. I continued going to my job. Um, we got her first op the space opened. It was like this 600 square feet in the lower level of a building downtown. It was like people were sure I, there was going to be a mass murderer down there. I'm right. sure. <laughs> yeah. bodies it Drug was dealers just, in the alley or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But we were, Courtney's like, no, we got to start somewhere. And I'm like, no, we need, you need to spend way more money and get a better location. Like you're not. And she's like, no, there's no extra money. This is what yeah. we're doing. I'm figuring this out. So uh, yeah, open that little space. And I think I quit my job within a month of yeah, that. Yeah. And then I was going to do our books from home. She didn't really need any help yet because we obviously weren't busy. So I was doing a lot of our books from home and, and I had taken on a couple other bookkeeping clients. And uh, it wasn't long before I was there working with her. I had, we had got a little office space set up so I could do the stuff there. And then I think we were nine months open, eight or nine months. And uh, she'd reached like $95,000 in gross sales. And I'm like, well, I wow. guess we could probably incorporate. We could, I mean, let's do it. So we incorporated in 97, October 97 and uh, no, sorry, 2007, 10 yes. years after mom died. 10 yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and so it's been 15 years going strong. I mean, we've, I think there's been two Alberta recessions and a global pandemic in that yeah. time. So it's and very, you're still here though. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's crazy. I think, 
there's something I used to think that, you know, you have to be the best marketer, right? You got to have the best products. You got to have the loudest voice. You've got to, we have to be connected. Like, how are people going to know about us? And we have no money. Like we had, we started on bare bones. We each got a little bit of money um, from our, from an inheritance. And I bought my house. Uh, our, our first house we put into that. Uh, Courtney took out her first loan for the business with hers. And Cody put himself through university with his. And uh, but it, but there wasn't much more from that. After Courtney yep. invested, you know, we got a bit of a loan to match her her uh, her deposit. And uh, we made it work. We, we didn't take any money out. Um, we got radio ads. It was one of the first things we did. And that has been the strongest method of our advertising for us since day one it's been radio it's been so good for us and so every we were open tuesday to saturday and then mondays and uh, sundays and mondays we would pack up our vehicle all the bras would go into suitcases and we went around central alberta we did curves we would go to curves gyms arrange uh curves gyms and we'd book appointments all day long no way. oh yeah. my god for <laughs> Two years, I think we did that for. It was stupid. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was great. That's great marketing. It was the only way to do it. We had no money. We could put money in. We could put gas in and go and make collaborations that way. But there was no, it was really hard to, to figure it out. But it was great because that's the, your connection. So now they've, can, okay, we've met these two girls. And I mean, yeah. like 25 slinging broads out of the back of our car. That's how yeah. we, <laughs> gonna yeah. we are nuts. This is terrible. But um but no, they they came and then they would come to Red Deer and they would seek us out. And I just had a customer again today. She went, I've been shopping with you since the first building that that lower level. And I was like, oh, my God, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm just so proud of what you guys do. And it was it's just neat. We've had these women that have shopped with us for for years. And I mean, I don't even think we knew the gravity of the impact of it. Like we we realized, OK, we were, we were giving a service of making sure the bras fit properly. Yeah. And um. And the bras were better quality, but there was a very much like, so your total is $462 and they'd be like, yeah, no problem. And we'd be like, oh, whoa, she was okay with that. Because <laughs> we were kids. I'd never spent that right, kind of money. Right. I didn't know, but the value, we had to teach ourselves. The that value of this, you yeah. know, and, and it was just fascinating. And we screwed up so, so many times, screwed up so many times and messed up a few fits and had mad clients, but that was all part of. The growing yeah. of it, and we were always very like, listen, we were very, um, we were pretty good at eating our humble pie. Like we were never, no, yeah. we we probably took bras back. We should have never like as just to make her up, not to make her up more upset. Yeah. Um, you just figure it out. But I think that that's where we started realizing our mom deserved a service like this, right? Our yeah. women deserve a service like this. They deserve to come to a place. And, and since then we've realized like there's so many traumas in a woman's life, right? Losses of, of, of pregnancies, losses of children, losses of family members, um, divorces, um, abuse. And a lot of that stuff comes out in our fitting room. And we, I don't yeah. think we realized how heavy sometimes those fittings would be, but to ask someone to take off their shirt and go down to their bra and let us measure, which it was very hard. Lots of women were like, I don't know, you can't. And well, this is, you know, this, it was, it was really a matter of building trust and being really yeah. humble and, and just, you know, this is a service I'd love to offer you. And, and, you know, if you'll give me a chance, I think I could do a good job, but I, I don't want to make any promises because I don't want your hopes to be up too high. Like it was just, but it's a very, a very like intimate bonding yeah. experience. 
And yeah. uh, so, you know, you're, you're doing far more than just, uh, you know, slinging bras. You're, you're, you're creating this, uh, I think, just this incredible experience and connection. And it's probably why you have such such loyalty now. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I love when when business is more like, obviously, we, we, we're in business to earn a living. I, yeah. I do the same thing. But, you know, I always find myself joking sometimes. This is just the cover story. Like, yeah. y- yes, we do this to make a living, but there's there's more to what it is that we do. And it, it, it's why we do it. Because I think, uh, how many times have you you thought, like, you know, probably just be easier to fold this up and get a job oh, somewhere? <laughs> more times than I would be comfortable admitting. Like, I was, I was, there were so many times where I'm like, Courtney, this is this is crazy. Like we're working so hard and we have to, and even like owning a business, you have to develop everything from scratch, right? Everything from scratch. And you're constantly crossing that out and redoing it. And every time we had to try again, I, for a while, it was like, uh, well, so P.S., I also got pregnant then, 18 months right. into having the business. <laughs> yeah. so I immediately just did all the, th- we just, okay, let's t- let's have a family too. Let's just do it all. Yeah. So um, that was really hard. There's no mat leave. You, we were. Right. No, we, we had to be, I think I, she was a, my first daughter was, we had a traumatic delivery and she was a code blue. And so we ended Oof. up in the special care nursery for, I don't know, four or five days, five days. Um, and I remember I did leave work alone for those. I, I was yeah, yeah. not thinking of work, but I, when it was payroll, like not long after that. And I, you know, by the time you're home, you're, you're right back in it. I, my first baby, I was home a lot. I did. We had an employee by then. So I was home with my daughter a lot. Um, but fast forward seven, I don't know how many years I'd have to do more math um, <laughs> yeah. at the same time for our, yeah. my second. And yeah. so our daughters are six, seven weeks, seven weeks apart. And I remember going, Oh, nice. That's quite a, quite a gift you're giving us right now when you're not even here to help us out with it. And now we're going to have babies at the same time. How in the hell are we going to do this? Like, right. Right. Oh my God, what is happening? And now, I mean, those babies are going to eight and a half. They're best yeah. friends. They grew up as twins. We were right. often nursing in the back room and one would be out bra fitting and the other one, we often nursed each other's babies. Like it right. was yeah. zero, zero shame. No, this is the shit that needs to get done. It was yeah. amazing. And I mean, in the thick of it, hard, awful. Blah. And now I'm like, I'm so proud of us. I can't believe, right. I can't believe we did that stuff. And even kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, this is yeah. they've grown up in this space. They've seen their moms do this from day one, and our our customers are always like, "Oh, are your kids here?" You know, lots of times they're like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. have we seen? We haven't seen pictures of the kids." And it's just really a cool. I think um, getting pregnant with Maddie, the first my my first child, I remember being like, "Oh my gosh!" Now I'm more relatable. Right now, I have this. Yeah, I understand what pregnancy feels like, and this is so valuable in our business. And now I'm nursing, and oh. I understand now. I, 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 and so now when people can say, Oh, I've put on weight. Yeah, I totally get it. Like I, yeah. I remember being excited with every little life experience. Cause you're like, Oh my God, now I can relate to people better and I can share things with them more. And yeah, oh, who knew? Yeah. That, that's, that's amazing. And I think this, this is why, you know, your business has such uh, staying power really is because you're more than a business, right? You're, you're a community providing like just an invaluable life experience for people, a place, you know, where, where women can just, you know, I remember when my, my wife was, 
pregnant and I, I brought her in and I was like, you know, um, just take good care of her. And I, but I knew like, <laughs> I was like, there's no hesitation here. Right. And, uh, yeah, to this day, she still enjoys those, those bras. And I mean, it's not that it's only like a year ago. <laughs> They're pretty durable. And, but it matters. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I think we see so many women that come to our door, um, really jaded. Like yeah. I've had awful experiences. Mm. I, I am unfittable. I have a weird body. I am a size you'll never, you'll never be able to help me. Um, but they show up. And, and at, at first it was like, holy, that's a lot of pressure, right? I, yeah. I you really want to nail it because again, it's intimate. If it is, I yeah. give you, I think women are pretty, especially with mass produced crappy products. Yeah. People yeah. are really used to spending money and getting nothing, right? They're really, yeah. and so they're like, oh, so yeah. now I'm going to spend three times what I spent before. And I'm going to trust this 25-year-old girl to, to sell me. Courtney was 23 when we started our store. I'm going to trust these young well, what I don't. I remember how many times we're getting looked up and down. Well, what do you know about it? And being like, I, I can try, though. Like, I, you know, the last lady I just fit, she was like, you know, she had this struggle. And, you know, and then so with every day and every positive interaction, there were way more positive than negatives. And we were yeah. like, okay, so we're onto something, but, um, but the, the industry changes, right. Hardships. Um, we got into mastectomy products and post-surgical products and, yeah. and swimwear and, um, even underwear. My gosh, like there's so many people struggle and, um, and, and you're asking for a little more money for your garments, but then there's a weight loss or a weight gain and they're irritated. They don't want to spend this money again, but more times than not, it would, they were like, this is unbelievable. You've changed my life. I can, I can chase my kids around or I'm, I'm at work yeah. and I don't, I really want to feel secure at work. I work with a bunch of men and I don't want attention, you know, yeah, or yeah. You women feel comfortable really and confident. Yeah. and just felt like they would never get it. You know, their backs were pain in lots of pain and others just, and then you, they start coming to us with these issues and we're like, Holy cow, how are we going to be able to do anything about this? This is so heavy, but you figure it out. It. We did. We figured it out. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's no, like, you can't read a book about this stuff. No. Right? Like the, the only way you get to where you are now is just by putting in the, the hard yards, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, and I just wonder, like kind of going back to, to, to your story, like how many times have you and Courtney just had conversations about your mom and what she must be thinking, sort of looking down and, you know, um, every day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Every day. Just, this guiding, like the shaping really what you do, like her influence, you know, is carried on years and years after the fact. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, really, you're a living legacy for her. Well, she was, she was, she was so goofy, but she was so warm. She was so <laughs> loving. She was so, um, she made a friend everywhere. Right. She was so, but she was feisty and she was, um, stuck in her ways and had no problem being like, that's not going to work for me. And, and I wish <laughs> yeah. I'd been able to see more of that because at 15, yeah. I hadn't seen her, you know, struggle in front of me a lot, right? I hadn't right. seen her have adult conversations in front of me or have to come up with adult solutions for problems. I didn't get to see any of that. So all of it was, what do you think mom would think? What do you, what would mom would do? And it was a lot of, um, I, I really quickly learned. So in those years, especially right in, in Grand Prairie, those years right after, you know, moving out, I remember being so, so depressed. I was on antidepressants for a while. I left a job that I was so, it was toxic. I was so unhappy there mm. and um, left my job that I had been, you know, went to college for. And I went working at the keg and I, I didn't even, I was not, I had been a waitress for a little while, but I was not a great waitress. Right. And the keg <laughs> was like a level up, right? The keg's the keg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this looks like a really cool environment and I want to be 
confident. I want to do really great things. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to work, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to figure this out. So the keg had this, um, hiring, uh, experience where you got you heard from uh, Lindsay here too. So <laughs> thanks love. Um, yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, I had to do a interview process. Right. And yeah. I was not like, what? Oh my God. And it was one of those things. Well, what do I have to, what do I have to lose? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to be myself and do it. And it was me out of 15, 20 people. It was me and a guy chosen and I got this job and I'm like, and that was like, holy awesome. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can do this. I ended up working at the keg for just over a year full time. Um, I moved from the restaurant down to the lounge. Our lounge was in a lower level and I ended up being their main opener. The main opener was like 3 PM. You were there to open the bar and you worked till the latest shift. So I ended up running, like taking on the biggest shift made great money. Um, I felt super powerful. That was like a place where I was like, okay, that sort of opened my door, opened the doors to, so I started working out and I started, um, I was super, I didn't want to go anywhere with them. Where would you go? Would you come with me? That's always how I was. And I'm like, no, I need to do this. Mike worked away. He was oil field. So he worked all the time and I didn't have a lot of close friends and and we were all 20. So even if I had the friends, they were all busy. Everyone's learning how to live their life at 20. So, um, that was the first I started being like, okay, positive. What was the, what was my best takeaway from today? Okay. That feels okay. Okay. So I remember going to bed at night. There was times when I would just be so depressed and just find that one good thing. Okay. What's that one good thing. And I started being really aware. And it's funny now, 25 years later, 20 years later, it's, it's weird how I read all the, like the secret, right? You read that story of the secret and, and manifestation and um, elevating your vibration, vibrations and all these things. And none of those words were a thing when I was a kid, right? Like, right. Yeah. But I started learning that, okay, if I, if I find that one good thing and let my heart feel good, then that's enough for today. That's what I'm going to do. And then the next day, what's my one, okay, what's my one good thing? What's my one good thing? And uh, those good days, you know, good days would start being, there were more good things each day, right? There were more good things to celebrate. And the more I did by myself, I was the only one that could take credit for that. I was like, okay, then I, like I did the damn thing. And yeah, yeah that's... I got this place. And that <laughs> yeah. was sort of what started helping me be more brave, be more brave. And that mattered once we got here because <laughs> entrepreneurship, that's all it is, right? I had to be really brave every step. <laughs> Lindsay says you're beautiful inside and out. And uh, thank you so much, Lindsay. And Michelle oh, says so proud of you as well. So, Aww. you know, uh, so you, you've got lots of, lots of supporters here as well. You know, like it's just, um, I, I think that's quite something. And, you know, you, you kind of already addressing one of the, one of the last things I wanted to touch on was really like, how do you, how did you like dig yourself out of this? And I think you're kind of describing that because really in one sense, this is a you know, heartbreaking story. I mean, I, I had some tears as you're describing it too. And, um, just cause I, I can feel it, you know, like the, yeah. the, as, as you're describing it, but on the same token, there's also a story of hope in here, right? You know, so you, you found a way to dig yourself out and, and actually to thrive, you know, not, not just sort of exist in life, but to, to really make the most like chase your dreams. You know, you've got a beautiful family. You've got an amazing husband who's been with you, you know, by your side for, I'm trying to think, I think I might've met him once, maybe at a, a, one of the shows you were at, maybe at the Western or something. I feel like you have. Yeah, I'm sure you have met him once. 
anyways, I feel like he just deserves major props for being just a, an awesome human being. I think he might, he might've been tuning in. So Mike, if you are tuning in major props, just for being an awesome human being. Um, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And, uh, so really it was this, this looking for the bright spot, you know, that kind of helped you to find your way out and nobody really told you to do this. Is this something that just kind of came from within? It was, it was honestly just, um, you know, literally the worst day of my life, someone died, right? I can't, I can't, not to say that I considered suicide, but not being alive on really hard days was something I would think about. There's no doubt. And um, I, I mean, what would that do? What would that do to my brother and sister? What would that do to my dad? What would that do to our family? No, I'm not, that's not the solution. So I have to figure right. out, I don't want to live with this awful sadness in my heart. So I got to figure it out. And I was bitter. Like there was a lot of bitterness. I, this is, I didn't want to have to do it, but when I started feeling that physical, you know, you know, that physical yes and no, that physical, do you need it or don't you? What makes your heart sore? What makes you feel good? I started mm. really tuning into my body and being like, hey, that's all. All I can do is trust myself. All I have is myself. And all I can do is take it one step at a time and figure it out. And I started realizing how much my mom um, her wisdom lived on, right? I, I could really think about what would she do? Well, I, I think she would do this. And I'm not, I can't talk to her about it. But I feel in my heart, this is a choice she would make. So it was really just, it was tuning in. It was just tuning in. It was it was and then as I grew, and started to understand that a little better, I would start finding books. And I would start one of the, my favorite books was the Celestine Prophecy. Have you read okay. that? I have not. I'll, I'll oh add my it to my very long reading list. <laughs> I'm going to throw that. I'm going to shout out to my buddy Dan. Danny is is one of our best friends, and he was. I have to share this with him. He shared that book with me uh, when I was about 21, and I that I cherished that. And it's about you are exactly where you need to be. You have to follow. It's a little more hippy dippy than a little more voodoo than that. Mm -hmm. But it was it was about. One thing leads you to the next thing. And when you're on the right path, you lead you. You have to just start taking those steps and figuring it out. And that was so that was one of the books that really changed my life and, and made me go, OK, I'm going to I'm going to listen to the feels. I'm going to listen to my intuition and I'm going to make my decisions that way. And to this day, that that's still our process. It is so much easier to listen to my tuition intuition than it is to listen to any outside sources. I don't listen. I don't even call my friends when I have a thing. Hey, can we talk yeah. about this? I do not. I talk to my sister. I talk to my hubby, but I don't, I don't go yeah. outside of that. Yeah. So if you were to offer just some thoughts for, you know, someone to kind of take home, maybe, maybe they're not quite where you are in their journey. They're still in the dark, dark place trying to dig their way out. And yeah. what, what would you share with them to kind of encourage them? I think I dealt with a lot of guilt, right? I dealt with a lot of like, when I, when I, um, after mom died, it was always about, oh, I should have been better. I should have done this more. I should have been this more. And then even through those years of I could have done that better, I should have been better at school. Like there was just, I started realizing that I could only do so many hard things at once. So some things had to take a back seat. Um, and even, even things from before mom died, just so many little things that just have become part of my journey. And something I, I sort of had to settle into and become comfortable with was that Every decision we made or I made up till now, I made with, you know, at the highest level of awareness that I could have at the time. And yeah, yeah. every hard thing you do just helps you figure out what that next hard thing is. My daughter, my 13-year-old just got braces and oh. it's been hard. Her, She's got appliance on the top and, and um, braces on the bottom for now. And that it's been, it's not, it hasn't even been a week and she's starving to death. 
and yeah, she yeah. swore and she's like, this is so stupid. Why am I to realize, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. as much as I don't, I never want to say to her, life is hard. It's always hard. Right, right. But, you know, you're going to prove to yourself that this investment of your time and your discomfort, you're going to be so proud of the result that you're going to be so glad you do this. She has really rough she's got rough situation in her mouth and and it's yeah everything's sore all the time and she's got huge teeth and she's had a lot take five or six taken out already just because there's just not enough room in there and it, this is a privilege that we are honored and lucky to have that we can do this for you and you can complain but you have to start learning how to dust yourself off you have to start recognizing that this matters it's a hmm. investment into your future and it's not forever and i wish i had i wish someone had told me more that this too will pass right and in every right. way this too hard things will pass this too successful things will pass there's there's a, a yin to every yang and it right. can it's go like this, one this of law of ways. impermanence you know yeah. 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 And that's not a bad situation. Like, that's okay. Hard things will pass and great things will pass. And there will always be something around the corner. And as long as you're safe and healthy and with your the people who love you the most, you know, you'll get through this. And it's a really small way for Maddie and her, her braces. It's a small thing right now, but it's just hard things are going to happen and we're going to get yeah. you through it together, baby. It's it's good. It's good character building. I, I had uh, two, two and a half years of braces followed by jaw surgery. Oh. And... Yeah, that was brutal. I, I have screws and I can still feel them, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I'm so glad that I did it because back, like, I didn't, I couldn't just have my teeth straightened. I actually had to my, have my jaws entirely realigned. But they said, you know, if you don't do this by the, by the time you're 30, which would, I'm already 40 now, but by the time you're 30, your teeth will grind down to almost nothing because of the way they're, they're lined up. But when you're 13 and, and, and this is, you know, you have a very narrow window of perspective on life at that point in time, it's yeah. like, you yeah. know what, you, you know, we're just going to have to help you tough, tough through this. So, um, yeah. Well, despite the despite the tech hiccups and some of the interruptions yeah. here, it's been an, an absolute pleasure. And I feel like I've just gotten to know you a little bit better. Um, and I, I just appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable, to share your story, be very real. And I know a lot of people are going to be touched because of this. And so I just I'm just so appreciative that you took the time today to to join me for this episode. Well, we talked about this earlier and how sometimes I'm there's days when I'm like not interested in being vulnerable. There's days when it's just like I just don't feel like sharing this story today. Um, but I knew when you when you we've been talking about this for a long time and I knew <laughs> but I knew you're safe. You're a safe place for me. I, I really appreciate yeah. our conversations. You and I've always had really beautiful, soulful conversations. Um, so this was not I, I'm happy to do this. I'm grateful for the opportunity for it. I haven't had that conversation in a while. So I appreciate being able to talk about her and share that really, with my life. I think and just just to honor her memory. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Between the Before and After. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, or leave a review because that helps this podcast to reach and inspire more people. I love exploring the stories that take place between the before and after, the powerful experiences that shape who we become, and I love human potential. I love the possibilities that lie within us. So whatever you may be up against, I hope these stories inspire you because if you're still here, your story's not done yet. So keep moving forward. Anyone can come from any place of brokenness and destitution and build an amazing life.